With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 73 of the Unholy Trinity podcast in partnership with Fan Hub, where the fans come first. And we're, we're back for the, the final show of the of the year, what's been a, a shocking year in, in many aspects. Uh, we'll try and keep it as lighthearted and as upbeat as we, as we can, as always. Uh, delighted to say we've been joined by, once again, I think you, you've got the record number of appearances on this show, Andy. Now you've got about you've got at least two, at least two hat trick balls if you were doing soccer AM. Um, but Andy McGregor joins us once again. Andy, how's Christmas been for you, mate? Good, thanks. I like to be the Ted Sagar of the show. It's it's very nice of you to say. You know, it's a bit of an old reference there. But no, Christmas has been good. Thanks. It's been good to spend time with family in this, as you say, collectively, you know, blighted year. Certainly, mate. Certainly, but it's great to have you on once again to, to see this the this year out, uh, and hopefully look forward to a uh, a bit more upbeat year outside of football. That's uh, that's for sure. But we're going to the last time that we all spoke, we all got together. It was it was uh, obviously after the Arsenal game before the Man United Carabao Cup quarter final, and obviously Sheffield United in the league as well. So let's kick things off there if if we can do. And um, Pete, I'll I'll come to yourself first. Man United quarter final, massively disappointing. Yeah, weird game, wasn't it? Really weird game. Incredibly slow start. Um, it, it was like it almost took us forty minutes to sort of get going in the game, and I think with about fifteen gone, I think we were lucky not to be two or three down because United just seemed to roll on from the Leeds game. Loads of intensity, pressing us really hard. They seem really organised. Probably a lot fresher as well because uh, he, he rested a lot of players, didn't he? Or 
rotated the squad. Um, so, yeah, they had a lot more legs than us, but we seemed really um, sort of off the pace. It took us a long time to, to sort of get into their half. Uh, it looked like we were playing a lot for set pieces. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of fans would probably be very disappointed with how we, how we played. But then the longer the game went on, your hope started to get up. And you thought, God, you know, we get a set piece here or a guilty free kick. Could nick it 1-0 or we could go ahead. But as soon as they got the goal, it just seemed like it was um, a bit of a tall order for us, really. And it, it was a disappointing way to exit the cup. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of the one that's left for us, isn't it? And the one that, I wouldn't say it's the one we all really want, but I think it's the one that a lot of Evertonians would like to win. Um, and realistically, that and the FA Cups probably are, you know, biggest hope of an achievement this season. Mm. Do, do you think? Do you think, Andy, that it was it was basically down to the fact that you know we were running on on empty almost? Um, you know, the the squad depth isn't what what Man United have, have got at their disposal. So we're playing with you know the same group of players week in week out and game in game out. Is, is it as simple as just saying it, it was one game too many at the time? Yeah, I think in hindsight, at the time, you're very disappointed because as Evertonians, we are starved of that success. But I think in hindsight, yeah, and I, th- I said this day after the game, it's the, they, we just didn't have enough forces in the race. It was, as you say, Man United can bring that quality level of attacking you know, off the bench. And we just didn't have that. And you obviously have got a few injuries anyway. It, it, it just came at the wrong... It, it's probably come too... You know, I, don't, I know people don't like to hear this. It's probably too soon for us in a way. It's, I know we haven't won a trophy for 25 years, but in this cycle, if you will... We probably just haven't got the squad quite there to, to to manage the games, especially in this really compressed season. So yeah, I think simply it was down to it's down to the fact that they could bring on goal scorers, and we really couldn't bring on that level of talent. And you know, some players are playing a lot of games at the moment, and you could see as you know as the performances have gone on, it's become tougher and tougher. We've had to grind and grind. So yeah, it was it was disappointing, but at the end of the day, I think it, it's understandable considering the difference in the squad. And mm. I, I think it's a game, Lee, isn't it, where you, you'd like to see. 40,000 fans at Goodison Park, you know, you know, trying to roar the team on, especially if, you know, um, with, with that same squad, the same players being used game in, game out. We were saying just before we started recording about the, the importance of, over the course of Christmas, especially in years gone by, the, the importance uh, of fans and, and how fans actually impact the game. You know, a couple of thousand were in, nowhere, obviously nowhere near what we, were, what we would uh, have on a normal match day. But do you think that on that on that particular night with forty thousand fans in, maybe that could have given the players an extra five or ten percent to to push on and, and maybe nick something on the day? Yeah, but sometimes you could have got got us over the line. It's one of those so near but yet so far moments again, wasn't it? It's similar to Leicester last year, and I just felt I don't know. It, <clears throat> they made nine changes, we made two outfield changes, and that says it all. Andy just alluded to it there. They were able to bring on Rashford and Martial. They brought Van der Beek in from the start. They brought Cavani in from the start. You know, and we we unfortunately were bringing on Cenk Tosin to try and to try and do something for us. So that just shows you where we are squad wise. It's no coincidence that um, Man City have won it three years running. They've probably got the best squad in the league, and it comes down to a squad game. That's all, uh, that trophy really. I think they're unbeaten, aren't they, in eighteen matches in the League Cup, which is a phenomenal stat. Um, and it's just it's just a shame because it is probably the most winnable trophy. But at the same time, it's the way it's all fallen for us. It's, we just weren't we just didn't have the legs, did we? I mean, we Pete said it there. We we didn't start great, 
I don't think it was essentially just almost physical fatigue. I think it was just mental fatigue. I mean, Michael Keane had probably the worst 20 minutes he had all season in those first 20 minutes. You know, he even rubbed on to Olsen, didn't he? You know, he almost gave a goal away by miscontrolling it and, and trying to dummy a, dummy a player. So, yeah, it's just such a shame. Maybe you're right, Mike. Maybe if we did have a full house, then uh, we might have had that extra sort of adrenaline to sort of maybe put it on them a little bit. But we were just we were just winding down for pens, weren't we? And, and in all honesty, I don't know what you guys think, but I just thought Cavani should never be on the pitch. I, I, I just don't get... I honestly just don't get this VAR from the semi onwards. Like, you either have it in in, in the comp or you don't. You know I mean, it's a simple, it's simple. I don't know what you think, Ann. I, I think it's that's to do with the EFL. Not teams not having it, and I think <laughs> I think that's the EFL because the EFL Cup obviously basically they don't expect those teams to be around. So they believe that they'll be able to everyone will be able to do VAR. It's an issue in the FA Cup as well, isn't it? You know, in certain games when you play away, you haven't got the VAR. It's just one of those things at the moment where the game is. But yeah, I think we were massively let down by the referee because he was looking, according to him, he saw the Cavani incident clear sighted, didn't he? And obviously Bruno Fernandes is, you know, good a player as he is. He's all, you know, likes a trick, doesn't he, up his sleeve. And he nearly put, you know, really, really hair poor with Charles. So yeah, a couple of real th- kick in the teeth moments there. So I think, yeah, I think I that's thought, Mike, sorry. So I, I think that's a frustration with, obviously, I mean, the, the uh, VAR side of things understandable in terms of the fact that in the area rounds, you know, a lot of the lower lower league teams haven't got it at the ground, so you, so you understand it. But I think from from my side, I think I mentioned it to, to yourselves the other day. It's almost as if that because the referees now are so used to having that technology at their disposal and they rely on it, so they're relying on on these cameras to pick up things that maybe they don't see or they see and they're unsure, whatever it might be. There's too much of a reliance on technology now. So when they ask the referee a game without using it, there lies a problem. And, you know, they're almost, the demand is almost now wired a different way. Um, so therefore, it affects them refereeing a game as they would have done, say, five years ago. What, what do you think about that, Lee? Do you think that's... Yeah, yeah I, to- I, to- I totally agree with that. I, th- I think... Um... You know, if the referee's there, for example, told to go look, we think there's an incident. Go and see, go, go and have a look at the screen. In today's football, sends him off there, doesn't he? Sends him off. He's grabbed him around the neck and he's and, he, and he's thrown him to the floor. Yeah, okay. Mina's probably made a bit of a meal of it as well because he's a big guy. But at the end of the day, he should be off. And in the Bruno one, if you look at that, you know, more carefully, he knows exactly what he's doing there. I mean, obviously Harry Kane does that quite often, and obviously, you know, he. It really, it's very dangerous, isn't it? You know, if the player's in the air and he just gives him that little nudge so he can't even manoeuvre his body, he, he, you know, he, he could have had a serious, serious injury there. I mean, he looked he looked sparked out anyway, didn't he? He looked like he'd just come out of a Canelo fight. <laughs> um, but, um, but no, it's, just, it's yeah, I, I just think, you know, as good as Bruno is, as Andy says, he has got that little, that little bit of snide. And he? he did it in the first game at Goodison, didn't he, in the, in the league? You know, he, he left a couple on, on players there as well. And, um he is a little snide. I hope when we play him again, someone just goes straight through him, to be honest. Um, just, just to put one on him. But um, We'd no, love overall, him to play for us, wouldn't we? Oh, of course we would. Yeah, of course we would. But he's a, <laughs> you know, let, let, let's have it right. He's a phenomenal footballer. He's up there with De Bruyne for me in terms of like talent. Um, but um, yeah, it was just one of those. It was just such a shame the way the game fell. I think if, they, if we'd have had a week running up to it, and we'd have had a reasonably you know sort of fit squad, it would have probably been much more of a game. It was, it was quite a poor game from 
from both sides. After United had that spell, it just kind of went into a bit of nothing, didn't he, the game, really. And then, obviously, Cavani came up with the winner right at the death. Otherwise, it was penalties, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was It was frustrating. It was frustrating. You know, outside of the, the, the referee performance, um, which ultimately, you know, cost us Richarlison for the, uh, for the Boxing Day game. Could have cost us the, the City game as well, which, obviously, we'll talk about shortly. Um, but he certainly he was certainly concussed. You can see when he got up, he was wobbling all over the place at, uh, at one point. So, you know, th- again, these kind of things need need to be looked at. You know, the 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 day when you know players, especially, I think Fernandez knows as well that that Bay's coming in, so he knows he's going to be sandwiched with Charles, and he knows that straight away. And it's it's dangerous play. So you could argue again that that could be could be a second red card and and things are different, but. Certainly for me, you know, one game too many in such a short period of time. And let's not forget, you know, fa- fantastic month that we've that we've had in December. We were all threatened about the the opponents and the running that we had, and you know, we've we've come out of the month with with thirteen points from fifteen uh, on the table. Um, we we've played against you know some of the better sides in the league as well. So that's going to take its toll at some point. In terms of the performance level, um, but it's a, it's a the trophy which which we said like like you said before, Pete, which is which has eluded us now, and and it's a trophy that you know we won't want to win any kind of trophy, but to complete complete that set would have been would have been nice, but that's that's unfortunately us for another year. Um, but I think and that's what brings me nicely onto to Sheffield United because I think going into that game after playing United on the twenty third to go into Boxing Day. And go to Bramall Lane against a side, okay, devoid devoid of confidence, but still, still a difficult side. You know, they're not the one of the worst sides I've seen in the Premier League, although the point at the moment doesn't really reflect that. Um, but it was nice, Pete, to go to, to Bramall Lane, wasn't it? And and come away with a with a one win, a clean sheet, and I, I thought not a not a bad performance on the day. Definitely, I, I think it was a really interesting game you know I mean not to make too much of a big deal out of it but I I think previous seasons that's exactly the kind of game that we end up drawing or losing it's exactly the kind of match that we we come away from seeing it as another missed opportunity because Sheffield United played really really well in that game I thought they were excellent um it was clear they'd had a bit more rest than us they were really organized they were looking to hit us on the counter caused us a lot of problems and we had to concentrate for the full, what was it, 95, 96 minutes, something daft like that. I don't know where they got that added time from, by the way. And I think, you know, all Evertonians were probably watching it, thinking, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, 1-1, one, 1-1. One, one, one. And it didn't, but I, I think that does represent a really interesting culture shift. I do, I, I think we're starting to see a real chink in, in a different kind of mentality, just winning games, you know, scrappily. Gilfie Sigurdsson doing what Gilfie Sigurdsson should be doing for that kind of player. Again, for the price tag he commands with the you know the type of footballer he is. That's exactly why he's in that team to to you know to take a chance. That was probably the one guilt edge chance we had in that entire game, uh, and he took it. And there's been a few times with Gilfie Sigurdsson where he's had opportunities like that, and he's you know he tries to place it a lot, doesn't he? he never really puts his foot through a ball, and um, you know he's missed them, but he took the chance, uh, and he's coming for a lot of stick. Personally, I think particularly the past 18 months, and I think he really deserves a lot of credit recently for the performances he's put in because he's winning us games. Um, so I, I thought it was a, a fantastic result, really good three points. 
It's funny you mentioned Sigerson as well because I, I saw your tweet, Andy, just uh, after the game about about Guilfi Sigerson. Because on on the whole during the game, he wasn't particularly effective. You know, he, he, I think he's done. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not sitting here slagging him off. Yeah. Over the, last, the, the, the last few weeks, I think he has done, you know, particularly well. But we're seeing Sigurdsson perform at a much better level than we'd seen in in the previous. You could argue 12, 18 months if you want to. I think you know, I'm I'm fairly satisfied with what I'm seeing from Guilfi Sigurdsson. But on the day, he he didn't do a great deal. But then, like Pete said, he scored a goal which Guilfi Sigurdsson should be scoring, and he was in a position that he, that. Well, he shouldn't have been there because Carlo had said to him before then to go and play defensive midfield. But he was there and he put the ball away like he should be doing, didn't he? Well, I think, you know, I'm quite a harsh critic of Gilfie Sigurdsson. I think it's partly because of, you know, because of what he should be bringing to the team and what we hoped he'd be. But no, I think I said this to someone on WhatsApp. I said, if that chance had fell to Bernard or a Wobie, I don't think we would have got three points. I think that that chance needed to fall to two people on the pitch. And you know, obviously it fell to one of them and he put the ball away, which is all we need to do. Obviously, if he did that more often, I think we you know, I and others wouldn't be on his back as much. But you know, I think he's played reasonably well recently. I think he's put a shift in. I think he's done everything we've asked of him. I think, you know, we, we, you know, we thought we'd struggle without certain players in the team. He's obviously helped us along. You know, he's played pretty well, he's created some chances, I think. Overall, he's had a good season. He had a good start of the season as well, actually. We had a bit of a middling period. But no, I think Gilfie's been good, and overall in that game, I, I just think it was—it's one of those games where you look at it and think we needed our most creative players to win that game, two or three, four nil. I think we didn't have a lot of goals on the pitch, we, you know, with Richardson, you know, being out as well. It was a difficult game, and we didn't have the full-backs to stretch them out because we obviously play centre-backs and full-back. So it was going to be a difficult game, and to get the 1-0 win, I think that you'd take those three points all day. The man, the man of the performance wasn't perfect, but, you know, a win's a win at the end of the day. And as Pete rightly said there, years gone by, that would have been a banana skin where we would have fell over on it very much, very easily. So, yeah, positive performance, and we move on. You don't have to, you don't have to dwell on that type of performance. Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with you there, mate. I, I actually think... Um... The game was just the game was a kind of almost like a, a typical sort of Christmas type fixture, wasn't it? You know, it was quite a hard watch, really. Um, you know, it was kind of whoever gets the first goal here is probably going to win it. And Sheffield United have had a lot of games like that in recent times. They've lost pretty much nearly all their games by one goal. They're obviously struggling to score goals. Don't know how Liverpool got twenty five mil for uh, for Brewster, by the way, but that's another story. But um, he clearly. Yeah, yeah, but he, yeah, but he clearly doesn't suit the way they play, does he at all? Um, you know, um, and you know, really, there weren't. It was a game of few chances, um, and we just had to take that one chance. And I and I agree with you. I thought Sigurdsson, yeah, he was okay. But when it came to him, I mean, the touch from Bernard for me, I think I put a little tweet out saying that that's the, that's why we scored that. So many players there might have had a wild swing at it, or took a touch and got tackled, or but it's that first touch just stunned it. He's got that in his locker. We all know that he's great technically, and he picked out Decore, and Decore, I thought had a really good game. By the way, he's starting to really look. You know, as he's getting fitter, he's looking better and better for me. And you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little pick out to Sigurdsson there as well. Again, he could have got a shot off, but he didn't. He knew Sigurdsson was on the outside of him, laid it into him, and. Sigurdsson's capable that we all know te- technically he's very good. You know, he's, he has scored some cracking goals for us. You know, he loves a side foot shot. He's just stroked that in the corner. Um, where we all get frustrated with Gilfie is that he's, you know, he can go missing in so many games. You know, I think he's a passenger in a lot of games. And I think that that's what frustrates Everton fans. He always seems that split second too late or he slides like Mike, you, you always seem to be texting to argue. 
there's Gilfie sliding again when the ball goes like past him like by inches every time. And he's, he's just that sort of frustrating. But he he will never be an up and atom type player, is he? He's almost a bit of a luxury player, really. Um, and you know he, he has had an indifferent career with us. But you know I, I was chef for him. He's definitely raised his level uh, the last few weeks. Um, almost coincidentally, since he's announced him and his missus are having a kid, and he's almost gone on to another level. Um, but um, no, I am I am chuffed for him, and he's he's obviously filled the void that we've got with the injuries we've had. Um, but again, I thought I thought Awobi did all right. You know, Awobi's really really stepped up um, the last few weeks. He, he looks like he's playing with confidence. When he gets it now, he's not looking to release it. He's looking. His first thought is right. Am I going to run up my money? Am I going to try and beat him? Um, and if you can't beat him on the outside, he's comfortable coming inside and playing nice little passes. And you know, so I, so I thought um, I thought Iwobi played pretty well as well. Um, but a shout out to Calvert Lewin as well because although it was a tough, tough, um, tough game for him, what a goal that would have been off his chest! That long diagonal ball. I mean, that would have been so, that, you're talking about one of the goals of the season there. If he buries that, he just didn't quite get enough cut spin on it, did he? To, it just sort of went straight, didn't it? If he'd got a little bit of cut on it, it probably would have gone inside the post. But um, I thought Dom, you know, he needs a rest, and he? he definitely needs a rest. Um, I imagine the FA Cup game will probably be that now. Um, but you know, he, he is starting to look a little bit more tired, isn't he? No, I just wanted sorry, I just wanted to come in there. Also, Wobi, I think yeah, he has been much improved this season. I think at what times last season he looked a bit of a lost cause, didn't he? And I think. I think obviously the one people are going on about at the moment is the final ball, which yes does need to get much better. The the, the thing I would say is, is a slight little bit more patience. I know we did cost enough money that we we shouldn't have a lot of patience for him, but I think at Arsenal it was a lot of triangles, third man runs, little short passes. He was never that out in that wing. He was whipping balls in all the times the box. That's not Arsenal's game. So I think it's something he needs to adapt his game to, and I think hopefully will be able to. Even if he's the, the the first player off the bench, you know, he just needs to adapt his game to what we needed to be, and I think he'll be fine as a as an option for Carlo. I think he's earned his trust now, which is good. He likes to play forward, though, doesn't he? That, that's the key. You know, Sorry, Mike, go on, you were going to say, go on. No, just, and I agree with that point. He does like to play forward. You've always said, Lee, since, you know, since he's come in, he's always playing. He receives the ball and he's looking forward. He's always got that, that little, that little half turn. He wants to play forward. That, that's his game. But I, I think, like like you've already said, I think that, I think he's playing with, with confidence. He's got a manager. And then Carl's alluded to it as well. Carl was saying to him, you know, trust yourself, have confidence in your ability, you know, about what you can do. Getting a run of games is great for him. You know, the, that, that Fulham game was was not, not, not the making of a Wobie at Everton, but that Fulham game was the game where we, we saw what a Wobie can do. You know, playing in that wing-back position in, in that, that back five, if you like. Um, and he was exceptional that game. And he's not really looked back for me. I, I thought once again, I mean, some people say it was a bit ineffective, but it wasn't, it wasn't the game really for, for quality or of quality. And I still thought that, that he stood out yet again. And that little bit of skill on the far side uh, later on in the game was was, was, something, was something absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we're seeing him coming inside with the ball as well. Even on the right-hand side, he's quite happy to come inside and make things happen. And I, I'm, I'm delighted for him, you know, the, the fact that he, he's getting a run of games, he's building his confidence. The fans are now, he, he put a message out on, on, on Twitter thanking people yesterday for the support and I think it's great that he's got a little bit of love from from the fan base now because he's, he's had a tough he's had a tough start to his Everton career you know whether it be injuries form you know people maybe not believing in him but he's got a manager there who's saying you know take your chance and go and grab it and to be fair 
he's one of the names now. I, you know, when we look at the uh, the team every single game, I expect him to start and I want him to start because I know he can he can impact things, and that's that's a great place for him. I think to 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 be in. Um, do you think, Mike? Do you think that he's earned his holiday on the private jet now? Do you think fans will be more accepting <laughs> if, he gets, if he gets a sequel to the video? Do you think they'll take everyone to be you know, pushing him onto the play race and going his holidays? Yeah, listen, another, another 2020 highlight, that one, wasn't it? You know, um, how footballers could spend their money. But, um, that, was, that was just shocking, that. Um, <laughs> no, but I do agree with you, Mike. I, he, he is, it was a great bit of man management by Carlo, then he came out and said, he said, like, Awobi needs to believe in himself. You know, we all, he even used the words and we all, we all rate him here. You know, it's the biggest, it's almost his biggest nemesis is, 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 does he believe in his own ability? Um, and ever since then, that's, it's Carlo's way of sort of giving him a little arm around the shoulder, that wasn't it? To say, look, we believe in you, son. We think you're a top player. Go out there and show it. And he's starting to show it now. He's starting to show, you know, the, you know, he's playing with confidence because he is trying tricks like you said, that one in the corner. You know, almost re- reminiscent of, uh, of JJ, isn't it? He's, he's, he's his uncle, isn't he? I think JJ's his uncle. Um, and we all know he, he had great feet, but um, but no, it's 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 good to see him, and it, it was it was one of those sort of war of attrition games that could have easily ended up nil nil, like you said, Pete. But we got through it, we took our chance, and you know, twelve points from from four games, and and you know, a tr- tricky four games really. Um, it's like I said when we when we recorded the other week, you know, Carlo's obviously found another way, another way to win when when we've got sort of almost our key creators out, like. You know, like the likes of Hammers and and even our destroyers like Allen and basically our best eleven, he's found a way to kind of go right. Okay, well we can we can basically be difficult to beat, and our backers to try and create enough to win the games, um, and it ha- and it has done that. I mean, I know Andy, you've alluded to, you know, it is all well and good having four centre backs playing there and obviously making us solid, but you know, it also detracts from us, doesn't? It, when we try and come across a team like a Sheffield United to try and break them down with width, doesn't it? It's 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 important that we find different ways against different teams. I think sometimes I know a lot of the time, but you know, Liverpool are probably accused of playing the same way, but they've got the players to play the same way in every game. I think with us, I think when we play, you know, obviously early in the season we were destroying teams, but we're still conceding soft goals, and I think it caught up to us. And obviously, when players start getting injured, we didn't have the personnel. I think we need to sort of amalgamate the two styles. Obviously, that solidity and keeping it tight at the back, but also that free flow football that we saw in the season. And we'll be content. Well, you know, we'll be not content for the title maybe but we'll be we'll certainly be up and around those those top six positions which is where we want to be but yeah I think he's found as you say a different way of playing I think or we can sort of you know work players into the team in different positions and get the better and get them to do jobs for him. Yeah and like you said I think it's 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 absolutely key and and I think I expected as well that we do have different ways and find different ways of setting up against teams to go on and and win the game, and this this run that we're on, you know, to as, as I alluded to earlier on, you know, who would have thought thirteen points from possible fifteen uh, in in a really difficult month against you know some 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 real quality, um, and like we said, that game against Sheffield United could have been a, a real potential banana potential banana skin where in years gone by we could we could have gone there and and slipped up. We 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 keep on seeing the same. The same sort of tweets, don't we, from Everton fans saying, you know, tip, you know, they haven't won a game all season, typical Everton, you know, they go there, they, they get the first win. And that's the kind of mentality, and a lot, a lot of people hate it. I hate it. I hate that expression of oh, Everton, Allen. you know, it's just nonsense. You know, we need to, we, we talk about mentality shifts. We all need to shift our mentality. The club, from within the club, 
you know, down to the tea lady, whatever it might be. You know, we, we need to all get, get on board with what's going on and expect our side to be able to go up and put in a professional performance against the side who's bottom of the table and come away with a win. Great to see, you know, we've said it, the players, I'm sure, are tired, difficult, difficult run of games, but he put a shift in. Um, and and b- before I round off the, this, this segment, Pete, Tom Davis, probably one of his best performances this season, definitely deserves a, a bit of a mention as well. Yeah, definitely. No, I thought he was fantastic. Um, you know, really good energy. Being asked to do that sort of defensive job for the team, which, let's be right, it's, it's not his natural position. It's not it's not the type of football that Tom Davis currently is for us in terms of a midfielder. So I think he's he's shown a lot more maturity for me and a lot more discipline. Um, I think in previous seasons, he's he's picking up yellows very quickly. Uh, he's making sort of little mistakes and then you can see that he's aware he's made mistakes and that's probably getting to him and it's affecting him on the pitch a little bit. So I was really pleased for him actually just to see him put him in a real disciplined, consistent um, consistent job. And it's probably really helping him out playing alongside better defensive players. You know, the fact that he's got Decore alongside him, um, you know, and I'm sure being around players like, you know, like Alan in the squad is doing him the world of good really and helping him, you know, come along, which is, is nice to see. Yeah, I, th- I thought I thought Tom, that's his best game for us in a long time. Um, he plays that position for England um, under twenty ones, doesn't he? Um, and I think that's that's for me is his best position. Um, for, for me, Tom Tom plays his best stuff when he just keeps it simple, um, and you know, win the ball, give the ball, keep it easy. Um, and you can see he just grew into the game. You know, he, he was he was winning the ball back. He was he was. You know, making the right pass. He was, you know, you could just see he got more and more confident, and that's the best game I've seen him play in a while. And you know, with Alan being out, I mean, there's there's rumours he might be back in the next next couple of weeks. So, you know, he may he may he may well play again against West Ham uh, and possibly in the FA Cup as well. Um, so that sort of sitting role, um, I think, sort of suits him really. Um, he sort of lost his way, isn't he, ever since really that City goal really, which like catapulted him to stardom. He's he's never really found what what is he as a midfielder. But um, obviously, the boys at England think he's he's a bit of a holder. So um, for me, I, I'd say that is best. That's his best position. Just quickly before we move on, I want to you know say that Bernard and, and Gomez did a good job when they come on the pitch. Mm. I think they, they, they sort of improved. Evan, I think we needed that change and that spark. And I know they haven't been you know players that we could rely on this season. At times they've been up and down as players, but I thought they came on and, and you made a difference. Obviously, Andre Gomez seems to be two different players at times at the moment. Some games he can be. You know what people expect of him, and other games he can just look completely lost. I think they came off the bench and did did add something to the game. I think with Tom, I think, I think, I think there's a maturity. I think people allude to a discipline to his game. I think decision making, not giving away silly flowers, not running to blind alleys, not giving you know passing the ball forward when he probably an easier pass on at times. I know he just like to push the tempo forward, and that is good for Everton. But it's when you do it and how you do it. And I think that's I think he's at that age now where Dom and uh, Mason Holgate were at last season, twenty two, twenty three where he needs to start getting onto a certain level if he's going to stay at Everton. I don't think he's ever going to be in, you know, starting every game forever. I just don't think he's that level. But if he's your fourth or fifth midfielder, is that really a bad thing? Probably not. I think if he improves enough, I think that would be a decent squad player for us who cares about the club, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Gomez, mate, as well. I thought he did right when he came on. He was unlucky not to get not to get that. Uh, well, was it a pen? A free kick yeah. or a pen? I mean, for me, it was certainly a foul. Yeah, I mean, so uh, how the ref's not given that is a shocker. But, um, you know, he's a human being, Gomez. He's come back from a horrendous injury. 
Um, and you know, he obviously clearly he's, he's not he's on social media. He probably clearly a lot of people are sort of atting him, uh, you know, on on Twitter, especially giving him abuse. You know, you put that Christmas photo up, and a few people were commenting on it. And like to be fair, those fellas got put right by by fellow Blues. And you know, we're not we don't want to be that type of fan base. You know what I mean? Atting players if they're playing if they're playing poorly. You know, he, he obviously reads that, and he clearly is as he's shown his time at Barcelona. That you know these sort of things probably affect him more than most. You know, so we want we want to get behind him. We want to get behind him because for me, I know obviously he divides opinion, but for me, there's still a player there. Um, yeah, he has lost that little little sort of burst that that he did have. Um, but the, the, you know, Carlo clearly rates him. He started him at the start of the season in in, in our in our sort of, when we had our best eleven available, and he, you know he clearly likes him because you know he's been bringing him on. So you know, if he can get a confident Gomez in that midfield alongside Allen and alongside the Corey. Uh, and potentially, you know, a, a, a another in Gabamin when he comes back, then, you know, I'd, I'd still have him in the squad. Yeah, I, we, you know, we everyone knows that we're fans of, of Andre Gomez, um, and I, I think it's it is really important people do remember still about that injury. It wasn't long ago, uh, like you said, Lee Carl was picking him at the start of the season as well. Well, right, like you know, rightly so. Uh, like like you said, Andy, he's being inconsistent, and we, we, we've definitely seen two sides of Andre Gomez uh, this season. And, and I hope he does get back to his best. I really do, because on his day, you know, we, we saw when he, when he first came into the uh, over to the, to the club how good he can be. You know, and and, and we want to see more of that. And and I do hope that it, obviously it works out for him, and he's given given that time, of course. But you know, with the, the quality. The quality of the squad is, is always going to increase. I think now with with who's, who's at the helm, um, obviously the Farhad Machine is not going to sort of be wanting your, your more average players. Um, certainly from a transfer point of view, so the quality is going to improve, and players have got to move along with that. If you want to stay at the club and you want to get a, a position in the, in the start eleven or the squad, you've got to move. You've got to move with the quality. So you know, hopefully that does pull pull a few of them along. Um, and, and if it doesn't, then obviously we we will, I'm sure, in, in over the, the next sort of 12 or 18 months, look to replace and, and improve. And that's that's the way that's the way the club are going. Um but it was it was nice to see Bernard, as as you said as well, you know, come on, have an impact. And and that's exactly what we need because we've been saying for so long about you know the we look at our bench sometimes and think, where where's the spark gonna come from? Who's gonna come on and change the game? And it was nice to see. You know, a couple of players come on and, and, and take a bit of a chance and uh, and do something positive. So that that was good. That was good. What do you think on Bernard? And do you think he's going to go in January? By the way, he's been linked with Roma again, hasn't he? It depends. It depends on what the, what the club want for him. I think it's going to be a difficult market. I think if you know, if I was you know taking my Everton hat off and I was looking at Bernard for a team, I'd probably want to take a loan with a, with an option to buy. If I'm honest, I think you know you don't. I wouldn't if Everton wants a 15 million. I'd be quite reticent to pay that, but. You know, we'll see. It depends. Obviously, his old manager, Paolo Fonseca, is there. You know, I think at the Italian game, although quite physical, so it, it, it's a question mark for him. I think that the game a little bit slower tempo. I think, it, you know, not much slower, but it's a little bit slower. And I think he, be, he, he might work out there. But there's options for him. I think if we're looking at it right now, I think, you know, Bernard is the, the, the if we want to bring another forward in, is probably the odd one out, uh, given his wage. And you can't have a four, you know, fourth winger on, on that sort of money sitting in the stands. Or on the bench, so I think yeah, if Everton got the right offer for him, similar to John Joe Kenny, probably as well, I think they'd allow them to move on. Yeah, and I mean, we think obviously that the transfer window is going to be fairly quiet from from our point of view. Um, you know, there's been a bit of talk. We may as well just pick up on it briefly now. 
Um, Sammy Cadigas apparently over in England talking to Everton amongst other, but wants to talk to other clubs as well. See that as a go around, or you think that's just uh, maybe it's, the story? It feels very Ivanovic, you know, where he's putting himself out there, like in the summer of Ivanovic. I don't know Ivanovic got his move to West Brom, but you know, putting himself out there trying to get clubs to latch on to. You know, I look at it, we've got eight centre fielders on the books, Bersic, it's not even in the squad, you know, and we've got, you know, Kabamon who's injured and Delphi's obviously injured. And I know, I know we probably now it'd be great to have that extra midfielder, but I, I just don't see it happening. Maybe it will. I know Carlo probably likes him from his time at Real Madrid, but I just think with the, the, the numbers we've got on the squad, we can't, you know, obviously I think Bersic should go in January, but we can't have, we can't pay nine centre midfielders. There's just not enough places in the squad for that number. So unless a couple go, I, I, I face it and doubt it. And then I also worry about his legs. I don't think he's the right type of player we need to be signing. But, you know, if Carlo wants a short-term option that he knows will raise the levels in training, he probably knows much better than I do what Sammy Kadir can bring to the side. Yeah, I think, I think, I think um, it'd, be interesting. it'd be an interesting January for me, whether we do anything or not, because surely in the back of his mind, Carlo will be thinking here, right, we're sitting, what, what we're at the minute? Three, four, play, four points off top? You know, yeah, you'd have thought that at the start of the yeah. season. You'd have thought that at the start of the season. You know, we were United scored a deflected winner in the last minute against Wolves. You know, otherwise we'd be sitting, you know, sitting in the in the top three. So, um, does he go to Mashiri now for me and kind of go right? This is not kind of what I was expected. We were probably aiming it. If if we're honest, probably Europa maybe first season, first full season under him. Does he think you know what? Why don't we go in if we can? If we can shift a couple of people out off the wage off the wages. Why don't we try and get a couple of players in to try and really sort of make a make a push for that top four? I'd, I'd say there's, there's a lot of reasons really, and obviously this comes down to Marcel Brands as well in the sense that you know we do obviously with my company we do a lot of research into transfer windows in January. You know, obviously people could name to be Bruno Fernandez, you know, Aubameyang who come in and hit the ground running, but generally players who sign in January don't make that much of a difference in the second half of the season. Players who are signed in January, so in some cases, in, in a good amount of cases, are good. It's a good bed in period for them, and they might contribute small amounts, but they don't. They're not going to be, uh, you know, but you know, they're going to change the, the course of the title race. So, if you could sign a player that we wanted to sign in the summer early and bed them in for six months, because maybe they're coming from a league that, you know, maybe France or Belgium, wherever it may be, that might be an idea. I just think unless you can get someone who you're already going to sign in the summer, you shouldn't try and mortgage this whole season by signing someone just like a Josh King. Let's be honest. I think Josh King would be you want to sell him probably in the summer or the or the summer after. He's not he's not going to make Everton much better. Maybe it help us in the short term. But I think Everton needs to plot the next moves out very carefully. I know it's very exciting where we are now, but I think you should stick the course to the plan and make, you know because we're maybe ahead of where we are now. But I think even with the women we've shown without those injuries, we can stay at a certain level. But that's just my my perspective. Obviously, other people think different. I think the romantic in me wants us to get Isco. I know obviously people disagree with me, but I, I just I just think, you know, obviously he maybe wasn't at the level he was a couple of years ago, but I just think, yeah, I look at that game like a Sheffield United game there and we'll have games similar to that in the running towards the end of the season. We'll have games where we're going to be have to open up teams that are sitting off. Um, and for me, you know, if, if, if Isco was even coming off the bench even, or even like if Hammers was out like he has been now for a good few weeks, you know, and we can get him to some sort of level of fitness. He's the type of guy that can open locks, isn't he? I mean, he's got that. He's got that sort of ability in his locker. I mean, he, he's he's a lovely footballer when he when when he's flying. I mean, he, you know, like I said, I mean, he was one of the best midfielders in the world only a few years ago. 
Um, so, I, I, what do you think, Pete? Would you have him? I think, I think like Andy and Mike said, it depends on the business and the other area of the squad. I mean, if ideal world, we ship out Tosin on loan. I know Fulham are looking for a striker. For me, you know, he, he can do what Mitrovic used to do for them. But let's get Tosin to Fulham. We can get Balassi out, Besic out. Um, you know, if it could free up a bit of room for a couple of loans, you know, for me, if you gave me Diego Costa on loan to the end of the season, I know it's never going to happen. <laughs> Plus Isco, I'd bite your arm off because I, I think you're right. Look at the position we're in. We want to be bringing in players that improve the squad we've got now in January. And surely that's what the January window's for if you're going to do business. Um, Even if it's just a loan to get us into Europe, isn't it? Just a loan just to sort of just to cover the injuries. <laughs> look, we, look, we brought... Who did we bring off the bench against United? Who did we bring off the bench? Was, like I said, it was Toast. Tosin, Bernard, and who else? It was who else we brought someone else on? The Davis, Davis, I think we brought on as well. Yeah, so, so I mean, I mean that, that says it all, doesn't it? I mean, if, if if let's say that bench has got maybe like Pete said there, maybe Isco or Diego Costa to run around like a madman for for ten minutes to try and get a winner, then you know he's obviously not the same player he was nowhere near. But you know, people said that about Cavani, and he's obviously looking quite sharp for United when he's playing, isn't he? I'd say with Cavani, he scored 70 goals in the last three seasons. Yeah. Diego Costa scored 19. I think they're different levels of decline. The issue with play, another thing to think about, and this is Carlos Avenue, I don't know anything about the, the harm in the squad. You Bringing players in at certain times, it's a fragile sort of system of squad. And I think if you bring in Isco and he was sitting on the bench, he's getting all that money, then you've got other people who want new contracts. It, it, it's a balance. But don't be wrong, if you're bringing them in on loan, you know, a short term, you know, I'm not going to be against that because you're not really losing anything. You're not committing you know, 25, 30 million on another 28-year-old. I think that's one thing you'd like to us to guard against. But no, I think if the right... And I think that's that's the key with the genuine transfer. Something will pop up that maybe will interest Everton. And we'll have to see whether they react because... Some play, teams will bring players in and then a the player will go, actually, I think my place is under threat here. And the Euros, we'll see if it happens, is round the corner. I want them to move and Everton might be there to just pick up, mop up the pieces there. And that's that's things that can happen in January. We've just got to, I don't think we're going to say we're completely out, but we've just got to monitor what goes on and see if anything comes up that we like. You never know, something could pop up. Mike, would you have him? It's go. You've asked me this before, haven't you? And I, yeah. As I say, the. the the jury's out from a sense of if you went and said, like, you know, get him on a short-term deal or, you know, whatever it might be, it's how long it takes to get someone who's not really played to any level of fitness to actually impact the game. And that's that's my biggest concern because he'll be on, he'll be on a decent wedge, make no mistake. Um, we, know he's, we know he's got quality, but I just don't know whether you could get him to a particular level where, you know, you could justify paying him a decent wage to sort of you know to go and win those games because I think it'll just be it just come too late. So it, there's no doubt in the quality. There's no doubt in that he's got you know he's a fantastic player on his day and when he's fully fit. But it's a massive gamble. I mean, football's a gamble, of course. And if you want Champions League football, sometimes you've got to roll the dice, haven't you? But, but whether whether you'd go in there for for someone like Isco who's not really played, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we'll see. You know, like Handy said, you know, I'm sure Everton at some point over the the, the January window will be tempted by someone. Uh, but a lot depends on who we can ship out. You got players. You said, you know, sitting there, like some Balassi sitting there. You know, who, who's on what seventy odd grand, seventy five grand a week? 
Um, obviously, Beckett's nowhere near the squad, sitting there on on a decent a decent little wage. Those kind of players need to be need to be binned off. Now, whether we just and this sounds really harsh, whether we just start saying to players, listen, let let's come mutual termination, get them off the books, because I, I'm 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 sick of, I'm sick of all that. I'm I'm sick of all. Sorry, Andy, I'll, I'll let you come in the second. I'm just going to moan no, for sorry. a second. Uh, <laughs> I'm sick. I'm sick of that side of it. You know, and because we've we've been dealt. I think so many poor hands over over recent years, and so many failed management moves, if you like, and obviously the the, the Steve Walsh years and Cumin and you know Silver and, and whatever it, whatever it might be. Um, you know, we, the money's gone to the wrong to the wrong places, and I don't blame these players. I, I don't. I said it before about about Balassi, for example. It annoys me. It, it it annoys me the fact that he could have got a move in in the summer and didn't go. You know that annoys me. But at the end of the day, he's on whatever he's on. So he's within it within his right of everything they've given him a contract for so many years. He's within his right to sit on the contract and, and get paid his money. You know, we can moan all we want, but we paid him the contract. We did, you know, we got injured in a freak, you know, a freak injury against Man United. Wasn't his fault. Um, but I think sometimes you, you've got to be cruel to be kind and we've got to protect our ourselves really more more than anyone else and, and where we want to go and what we want to do. I think the, the key the key with the, the terminations is I think that's you know I've done it wrong. I think Everton needs to start moving players out. I think that's key. I think we've got a couple of players out in the summer and obviously twenty twenty two is another key time for players moving out. But when you're paying people up front, it's at that, other cost. And I, I guess it depends on the accountancy is because Everton now with the, this moving forward of us towards Europe needs to be really mindful of FFP. I know it was suspended this year, but it does come back in the next season as an amalgamation of the two seasons. So we really need to be careful how where money goes. Obviously, if you're amortising over the contract, it looks better on the accounts. So letting players run out the contract can sometimes work out a tiny bit better. But don't be wrong, we just can't carry, as Mike rightly points out, players in the stands who are in 70, 80 grand a week. The club can never be in that situation again. We have to get everyone you know, we're in the money, if you will, and being as part of the squad. That's why I think, you know, Marcel and Carlo have talked about having a 22-23 man squad with the rest of the squad made up by the academy products. Obviously, it wants to get to a certain level. So I think that's what the the, the idea and focus is. But obviously, we're going to have to take our lumps while we get rid of the, get these players off the books. Like Matthew Pennington. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, it's, it's interesting that, you know, there's rumours circulating around that obviously we're looking to make Olsen uh, an offer. Uh, you know, does that then? You know, are they doing that? Maybe to try and think. Well, that opens up essentially, uh, you know, a loan option, a couple more loan options. If we, if he's then taken off, uh, it, it it does. I think we, we're allowed two in each window. Well, you'll have four over a year, two in each window registered. I think with with Olsen, I think the, the, I think he's he's pushed Pickford enough where we've seen an uptick in Pickford's performances. And I think he is a pretty much pretty good backup goalie. And I think because of his high face certain teams, I think he gives us something completely different than Pickford. So actually, as a rotation, they're not they're not they're not too bad. I, I'm not too sure whether they will or not. Or the lads, they'll, they'll you know say we'll buy him at the end of the year. Obviously, as I say, we, while you were away there, Lee, we, we just. We're balancing the books. We have to make sure that we balance those accounts. So when UEFA and when the Premier League look at them in the summer before we buy players, you know we haven't got step overstepped the mark really. Yeah, we, we you know we, we'll see what happens. Of course, we fingers crossed. Yeah, you know. yeah, we, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But let, let's move move swiftly on. I don't want to dwell on this one either. But I think we need to bring it up, and that's the whole saga surrounding the postponement of the Man City game. Um, 
there's a lot of talk now. I've been keeping it abreast of Twitter while we've been talking because this this story and Lee Lee, Lee loves this. He loves loves the scandal, uh, and he, and he brought it to our attention this afternoon. This is um, Kyle Walker. The Kyle Walker situation, yeah, about this this party that apparently involves 19 different players from various Premier League clubs, Fulham included. Obviously, they had the game postponed against Tottenham. Obviously, Man City, uh, their game against us was postponed. I think Sancho was involved in this, a private Jeff from Dortmund. Uh, but there's a lot of talk about this This party has taken place. And was it, Lee, you, you know more than I do. Um, were you there? 11 of, 11 of the 19, 19 players <laughs> from down with COVID? I've got some photos made, but I think I'd have a few people on my case if... Uh... No, no. I, I, I only, I only. To be honest, I forwarded you on from a from, a, from another group that I, I was in. So don't, don't shoot the messenger. Um, <laughs> it, you know, we 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 don't know, do we? At the end of the day, it's all conjecture. We don't know. But um, I mean, Andy, have you heard anything? I I I think this has been needing to like a mountain out of a molehill. Really, I think. Don't be wrong. City obviously wants the game, you know, postponed. I think. We're all in agreement here. It's probably benefited Everton with the game being postponed, considering how many yeah. games he played. And I think Everton's response to say we want, you know, we, we're not happy with the way it was dealt with. I think people have read into that. And I think as Evertonians, we absolutely love a conspiracy theory. You know, obviously the media against us, the whole of Sky wants us to get relegated. The VARs, like, you know, we, we love all that. And don't be wrong. There have been a few incidents, namely Luigi Galina, which we're fairly suspect in the past. Let's be honest. But I think in this case, I think. I don't know. I just can't see anything coming of it unless I'm completely wrong and this this party was happening. I thought there was a party a couple of months ago and I remember Tammy Abraham being involved. I can't remember, you know, whether that's whether that's been a carried on over instant. I don't know, but I don't know. I think I think I don't I think people want those three points. And I just think in COVID with players probably we could have got infected. I just think it'd be poor taste that's three points off someone. You know, if they provided a, if they provided a medical certificate, which was valid, and I just I can't see anything really happening. But we'll see. It wouldn't surprise you with Carl Walker, though, would you? You know what I mean? I mean, he's he's he's, he's yeah, known for that, and and he's like a lad about town, a man about town, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He, he's obviously one of the. I mean, and 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 is it coincidence then they've had it in London? Obviously, some of the Fulham players may have been, may or may not been involved. Madden likes the Loftus cheat people that possibly being there. You know what I mean? Um, you know, obviously caveat with this, we don't know that. Obviously, before we start naming naming players, but it, 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 all of a sudden, you know, there's suddenly like what is it, eighteen eighteen tested positive the other day, and then the weird thing for me about this is that City said they stayed in a hotel, and then the reason they were cancelling the game is because they felt they were going to do another round of testing, and then they felt that there was going to be a lot more people in the squad were going to test positive, and then the following day. They did a load, a load of round of testing, and lo and behold, oh, the academy's back open again for training. No one's tested positive, so it's it's yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, and it kind of that story of like we stayed in a hotel in London. Um, you know, is it a little sideshow? I don't think Evan have complained over the game getting postponed. I think that their issue is the lack of communication. I think they, yeah. they you know, which is right. I think Evan needs to act like a top club. And so you need to say in a public forum, you need to consult us. We are a big club. You must consult us in everything you do. I've got no problem in that. I, I, I just, I just, I can, I, I can sense the fans want those three, three points. Desperate, obviously, brings us closer to those across the park, doesn't it? So we'll see what happens. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun story at this time of the year, I guess. I think you're right, though, Andy. I think the the key thing to take from it because we, we we see lunatics like Kevin Horlock 
who played for Man City in, in Division Two or whatever it was back in the day. Well, yeah, but but say that basically it's it's not relevant because we haven't got Neville Southall in goal kind of thing. Basically, you're no longer a a football superpower in this country. So whatever you say doesn't matter. I think that the point that we need to that we need to make is that Everton are making a point that the game was postponed. I was delighted it was postponed. I'll be honest with you. I thought (laughs) this is great for us from a scheduling point of view. It's it, it was farcical. We were playing two games in three days. Um, so for me, it was great. It means we get a nice little rest before we go again in against West Ham. So I was absolutely delighted it got postponed. And I'm, you know, whatever the reason for the positive tests, whether it was two, three, four, five, whether it was the chef, the groundsman, whatever it might have been, safety is paramount in the current climate. So you, you you've got to be careful. I don't want our players mixing with their players. I don't want Carlo mixing with their with their players and manager. You know, it's all about safety and protecting ourselves as well. So I was quite happy with it. And that's, everything are disputing the postponements. It's about, if you've got a match between two teams, then the discussion happens between the two teams in the Premier League, not Man City in the Premier League. It happens between all parties. I've seen people last night complaining that Tom Davis was out in town, you know, helping feed the homeless and giving them clothes, which, by the way, is a great credit to him. I don't, he probably didn't want the publicity, let's be fair. But, you know, and then, you know, people saying we should, the Man City should have played the game. Wasn't there more of a risk, you know, in the Man City with the number of players they had? You know, it's, I think Evan fans need to focus their attention on, the, you know, the, on good things rather than silly things at times. I think, you know, I, I think this has been, as I say, we mean about now of a boat. I think Evan were right to raise the concern that they should be involved in decisions. But, you know, seeing that, it'd be, it'd be a fun story if it turns out that this party's true. You know, I'm sure there'll be, you know, sure. I'm sure that you know Jack Grealish and Boss Barkley were their lead. No, no, I'm joking. I'm a legend. That's just me joking. <laughs> That's uh, be the first candidates there, wouldn't he? But you know, it's it's just one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure. As I say, I'm sure that that story looks like it's gathering pace at the moment. Um, Elton Wellsby is is sort of tweeting around about it now. So once once Elton Wellsby gets on board, Granada, <laughs> yeah, Granada fame. Then listen, something's going down. So we'll see how it evolves over the course of tonight. I'm sure. Uh, but it was a scandal. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but let's let's leave let's leave let's leave that there. We are going to end the show shortly on on our personal highlights of 2020, Everton related, uh, of course. Uh, but game coming up, big game for ourselves. Trying to keep this winning run going, uh, and we, we we welcome welcome David Moyes back to Goodison Park with his his uh, his West Ham side, and it's it's a game for me. Obviously, no fans. Allowed in Goodison Park since we've moved into to the the tier three category, so two thousand fans who should have gone. And I have to say as well, PT was due to attend the City game as well. So unfortunate for yourself. Uh, we're, we're, I'm sitting here saying I was made up. The game was called off. Not thinking the fact that you you were sitting at home and you uh, Everton undies with your flag and your hat on waiting to go. Oh, I'm just glad they didn't crack open a fresh set of uh, foot warmers. <laughs> 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 exactly guys exactly right but it's such, such a shame because I know we were talking maybe before you were going and, and Lee was saying how jealous he was and he went listen don't get jealous until they get on the ground and then the next minute the, the announcement comes to the, the, the games the games being called off um, so such a trying time you know fans you know those who have been lucky to attend the uh, you know the, the games in recent weeks I'm sure it's been it's been great for them to get back inside good as but we're, we're back to back to where we were um, but you know, Pete David Moyes brings his West Ham side to Goodison. Not not in bad form. He's got them. We could argue play the David Moyes way. Seems to have found a little bit of a 
have a proper David Moy sign in uh, in Susiek as well, who's uh, who's doing the business for them. So it's going to be a difficult game, isn't it? it yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. I, I watched the Brighton game. I watched the Brighton game. It was a really interesting game because there were four terrible goals, two-two, and it was just a case of awful defences. Um, and I thought West Ham set up really, really negative. Um, I was quite surprised with it. I know they've got a, a couple of players out. I know they're really missing Antonio because they seem to sort of crystallise a quite nice way of playing, uh, utilising his pace on the break um, and got them into sort of an organised counter-attacking 4-2-3-1. And I think they've really missed him, but they just seem to set up to try and stifle Brighton uh, and did it really, really ineffectively. And Brighton, as usual, played some really nice football should have done a lot more with the amount of possession and chances they had. Um, and yeah, West Ham ended up getting, I think, two quite fortunate goals. So I, I think it all depends how he sets them up against us. Um, I don't think he'll set them up with the sort of five at the back like they played against Brighton. I think they, they tried to just match Brighton man for man in that formation. So they'll probably go with the back four. But I, I think we can expect them just to try and stand us up. And just try and stay in the game for as long as possible. Uh, and I, it's not often I say this, but I feel quite confident that we'll beat them. And I think we could beat them by two or three. Um, I know we've got a great record against West Ham anyway, but yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't think they'll be able to uh, to keep us out. Not with that defence. Mm. They couldn't live with us when we played them in the League Cup, could they? You know, I think. I think it, it depends how we play. I think obviously Carlo Alava. I think Richarlison's back, isn't he? I think he's been called fit, and obviously Hammers is still on his Christmas break. I think Coleman's. I think Coleman's ready to come back as well. So there's, there's options there, you know, in, in terms of how we can play. You know, I think you could move Hallgate into midfield or Godfrey, and you know, keep keep you know, play Coleman at right back, and obviously Richarlison will come back in, so that gives us something different. So I think we've. I think the, the thing with Moyes is I think he's probably going to come, and I think he's right. He's probably going to come and. Play that you know the way he does against tops you know top sides and I think he's going to be quite negative and I think I think he saw what we can do against him in the league cup so I think he's going to be quite cautious and I think depending on how we set up I think that's going to, whether we can break them down it's going to be a bit a big ask I think obviously with Charleston being back will help us massively but I, I'd expect us to win as well I'm, I'm pretty confident in us winning actually you feel, you feel the same way obviously Andy and Peter are going for you know the confidence levels are, are high Moyes probably negatively uh, going to be setting the side up. Are, are, you, are you in agreement with that? Bear in mind, West Ham are only six points behind ourselves, sitting in tenth. We know what, obviously how tight the table is anyway. But they, they haven't had a bad start of the season at all, have they? No, West Ham, West Ham have improved a lot under Moyes this season. Uh, they really have. You know, they've made some astute signings. I like that uh, lad at right-back. Kufal looks a good player. You mentioned Sue Check, Mike. He, he, again, he, he's almost got a bit of the flame. He's about him, hasn't he? Uh, very dangerous on set-pieces. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't in there when he played for for, for uh, Slavia. I think. I think David Moyes has said you're a big lad. You'll play this way. I think when he was he was he was a box to box midfielder who had a bit of flair to him when he played in Czech Republic. So yeah, yeah, he, he has been used very effectively. You're right, Lee. Well, they'll be getting it into his chest in no time. Don't worry, bringing yeah. it down. But, um, no, but I think I think he's, he's yeah. They, they, you know, they, they have got some flair players. I, I I agree with you, Pete. I watched the Brighton game and they were very negative. They were playing with two holding midfielders. I think Noble even played in that game if I, if I remember rightly. You know, and 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 then um, you know, soon soon obviously Brighton deservedly went in one nil half time. Bit, bit of a comedic goal, but they went in one nil. And this is a team Brighton, by the way, who struggled to score goals full stop. 
and then um, obviously brought on a few a few more creative players second half, and they probably had more of the game. One thing that does worry me is is, is, is um, Antonio coming back. He came back against Southampton. Uh, okay, the game was nil nil, like a lot of games in in the last fixture list. You know, very low scoring, sort of low level affairs, really, because obviously players are absolutely on their backsides. But um, the fact they've played, we haven't. We should be fresher. Um, but I think if Antonio does start, I think he gives. I think he gives Mina and Keane a lot more problems than than uh, Alaire, who I think there's a player there with Alaire, but if you watch him, you know, the amount of times the ball gets brought up to him, whether it's, you know, chest height, head height, feet, and he loses it, you don't see him sprinting back to try and win it back. He's, he's, he's typically French in that respect. Um, but, um, yeah, I'd be far more worried if Antonio was playing instead of Alaire, put it that way. Antonio will run the channels, he'll muster people, he'll win free kicks. Uh, he'll probably give us a lot more problems and I've always liked Lanzini. I think Lanzini's a good footballer. He's a lovely footballer. He, he can cause problems. And obviously, as we know, infa- infamously, the um, the guy with, with a little little left foot who scored a few times against us um, on the <laughs> right Jargalenko. side. Jargalenko, <laughs> mate. Um, so, um, yeah, I agree with you, boys. I, I do think we should have enough to beat them, but um, they've had a bit of an indifferent spell recently. You know, they've, like we said, we mentioned Brighton, they drew with them, drew with Samson, lost comfortably to Chelsea. Uh, a Chelsea team that, by the way, you know, have struggled since we beat them. Um, and then they drew with Palace and, and, and they obviously beat Leeds. So so they're coming into it, you know, in indifferent form. Um, but six points, Mike, like you said, you know, we think we've had a reasonable start to the season and they're only six points behind us. Well, they, they were up there, weren't they? They, they were up there around fifth, sixth, seventh a couple of weeks ago and they've, they've tailed off slightly uh, in West Ham. So they, they they were sort of they were in and around where we were, but obviously bear in mind we've had now our second excellent run of the of the season, which has really catapulted us back up the table and put us into a really a really strong position at the moment. And it's important that we we capitalise. Obviously the city game, the postponements, you know, it'll all go to waste for me if, if we don't go in and beat West Ham. Um, we've had extra days to to prepare, like extra days of rest. Um, and there's there's no there's no reason why we can't go into that game and, and, and put two three four past them in in my opinion. Um, but it's it's just important, you know, whether it's a game where they, they do sit deep and they say right try and break us down, we'll play for a nil nil. Whether we go and we and we win ugly one nil again, I'll take it every single day of the week. You've got to you've got to find a way to break sides down who who set up in that manner. So. That's what we what we fail to do effectively in, in recent seasons, that's for sure. You know, we, we we struggle with a plan B. And under Carlo, we we've certainly got more than more than you know a plan A, that's for sure. And we, we've seen that time and again, and we've we've settled in various ways this season alone. So I, I fully expect us to beat them um and, and carry on that 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 winning run. Um but I'm gonna dive in with the first prediction. I'm gonna say three nil Everton for this one. I'm saying that Charlton's coming back with a brace. And uh, Michael Keane, a 25-yard ship like Philippe Albert for Newcastle against Man U. Pete? I was going to go for the 3-0 as well, but I'll have to go with Charleston Hattrick now. I think we've all, we've all been waiting for him to absolutely batter someone, haven't we? We're all waiting for him to have that game where he sort of arrives into the season um, and he's not quite got there yet, so I, I think he'll do it against West Ham. Andy? I'm going to pre- preface this right. I've predicted the same results uh, since the Chelsea game and every game, bar the United games. So bear with me. Everton will lose this game, 
5-1. We put every game we predicted that score. So when we played Chelsea, I thought we were going we to get battered. So I predicted 5-1 five, five, to Chelsea. And obviously we've won ever since. So every game I've been predicting it. So and obviously stupidly I missed the Man United game. But alas, we'll lose 5-1. But it's, it's, there's a wink with that. <laughs> Lee. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it, I don't think it'll be a walkover uh, as you boys think. I, I do think it'll be um, typically David Moyes will definitely set up and make it make them hard hard to break down. Um, we'll need to come up with something. If we score first, we'll probably go on and win it. Maybe, like I said, maybe two or three two. So I'm going to say um, I'm going to say three one. I'm going to say three one. I think I think they'll score, and I do think he'll probably start with Antonio. He, as I said, he came on. You played a bit part against Southampton, and I do think he could cause us problems. I wonder if he'll start Olsen because of the aerial threat of a, of, a, of an Antonio. You know, they're going to be putting balls in the box, and, and a Suchek, I think, is height, Olsen's height. You know, is obviously good for picking crosses out compared to Pickford, some that can struggle at times. So I wonder if that's an option. True. Suchek has scored from a few set pieces, and I think he scored four or five in the last six, any or something like that. So. He's obviously a threat. Uh, thing is, Mina and Keane, you know, if, if you know, as much as I've said about Antonio, you know, they'd much rather play against that type of player who likes to be, you know, a bit of physical contact than against the sort of, you know, um, sort of rapid in behind type, wouldn't they? Do you know what I mean? So um, I do think um, I do think they should be able to manage out, you know, and, and certainly Mina has definitely been pretty much, more, you know, a lot more consistent the last few games. Um, be interesting to see what he does in the, with the fullbacks, though, because obviously I know obviously Godfield definitely stay left back still, but. It will be interesting what you just said there, Andy. Will he bring Coleman in and then drop one of them, maybe, you know, those guys into midfield? I, I, I'd like to see Coleman because I'd like to see them overloading that right-hand side. I think Maswaku's played a lot of games for West Ham. I don't really rate him as a defender. I think if Awobi and, and if Awobi plays, of course, if Awobi and, and um, Coleman can get out, I think they'll have a lot of joy and get a lot of overloads. But it, it just depends. Obviously, Carlo's got trust in certain players. He'll, he'll play it a certain way. But I think that is definitely an option. And I think if Holgate was, or even Godfrey sitting in front of the back four, it then allow you know the two of the midfielders, whether it's Sigurdsson uh, or Tom or and, and Decore to push up the pitch because we want to see Decore in the box more. We've obviously, seen a flash of Fulham where he got that goal. We want to see that more this season. I think he'd, he'd, he'd help us immensely if he can get up to five, six goals. Well, let's, let's hope that we're all right beside you, Andy, and your and your five-one, of course. But let's hope that it's a win, uh, it's a win of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are going to win. We are going to win a game and keep keep this run going. Um, but we're going to we're going to finish the show um, with a with a highlight, bit of a bit of a highlight, really, if you like, in terms of our own personal Everton highlights of the year. There's been, you know, in a difficult year, obviously off the pitch, there, there has been some some great moments from Everton. I think this year. Um, and I'm going to ask you each, put you on the spot for your for your personal highlights. So, Andy, as the guest, I will I will come to you first. What what have you what have you really enjoyed? What's what's the one moment that you've really uh, taken a lot from this season, from uh, or this year, sorry, from everything? Well, I, I, since I've gone first, I, I'd probably like to steal one. I, I, I think it's not a particular moment. It's it's Dominic Calvert Lewin's rise, you know, from a from a championship striker to some for some reason to this player now who's obviously scored a lot of goals. I think Dom's rise is the biggest story this year for Everton. And then obviously, there's a little slight bit. Obviously, the set the, the set the eight match unbeaten streak to start the season as well. Yeah, Pete. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Duncan Ferguson hugging the ball boy. Uh, 2019. <laughs> that was 19. That was 19, that's it. You're not getting away with that one. It wasn't. It was. It was. Oh. Carlo came in December, didn't he? 
well, that says everything about this year, doesn't it? it does, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great moment, though, I'll give you that. Are you going to let me have it anyway? No. Ah. I'm gonna come back. Did the DVT come out this year? <laughs> well, for, for me, for me, for me, I agree with Andy. I think Dom, Dom, the rise of Dom has been phenomenal. He's 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 looking more and more a complete striker every time you watch him. Um, for me, actually, uh, one of the highlights has been um, the signing of James Rodriguez and obviously the build-up to it um, and and him coming in and. Is he coming? Is he not coming? And then, you know, oh, we've seen him in the Titanic. We've seen him in the Titanic and all the pictures, you know, classic Everton in it all over Twitter. Um, and, and obviously when we, when, we, when we finally announced him, I think that was the flagship sign that Mashiri was looking for, really. You know, a global superstar. Um, yes, probably if you're going to be really critical, has he fulfilled his potential across his career? In, in flashes, he's looked a million dollars. Um, but for us to, to bring him over the line, uh, as well as Alan, as well, by the way, I think he's, he's you know starting to really show the player he was before his injury. But I just think getting James over, and, and obviously you've seen, you know, we all seen the, you know, um, the images across Miami, Columbia, New York, Times Square, you know, and it, it was felt like, yeah, that's what we, that, that's what I want us to be as a football club. Um, you know, we need to be like Anderson, thinking like a big club, acting like a big club uh, in, in these sort of times now, and. You know, I hate the term sort of brand in 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 football, but you know that that sadly it's it's a capitalist world we live in now, and and it's important that you know the Everton brand is 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 spread as far and wide as possible, uh, and and obviously not not just the confines of the city. So, for me, getting hammers over the line, and then you know we've all been in agreement. Those first few games, all of us were just literally in awe of you know watching his ability, and it's just such a shame that we'll. Probably maybe this season, not just get the chance to see him live um, in the flesh, because you know, as as fans, that's what we'd all love to see, wouldn't we? Yeah, of course, and and obviously, I'm sure those fans who got tickets, um, obviously, in the recent ballot store, they were going to get a chance to see to see Hammers through. So unfortunate, you know, um, he does exist, though. I, I can assure you, he does does exist, and he is an Everton football club player. Um, so I'm sure we will see him in, in due course live, and and it, yeah, we asked people on Twitter as well about this, and uh, Matty Dillon, obviously Matty's been on the show a couple of times himself. He said obviously Hammers bagging back the two goals against Brighton um, mm. is certainly certainly up there, but also as well he, he mentioned, and this might be this could be yours, Peter, if you if you not thought of what uh, about the uh, the spirit of the, the Blues top of the charts, and that was an, also a a classic a classic highlight of it. Of 2020, that's that's for sure. Um, oh, some of the some of the videos. <laughs> Keeping the ball, boy. I've checked the date. Seventh of December. It was. I'm not that far off. <laughs> Semantics. Last twelve months. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you keep it, Pete. Okay, just to, just to keep the peace for this episode. I'll, I'll let you keep it. <laughs> well, no, no, it's got. It. I mean, obviously, you. you you, you've all met, obviously mentioned Calvert Lewin and, and most definitely um, Michael Grundy on the show as well. Um, he mentioned Calvert Lewin and specifically his goal against start of the season, first game of the season, got the wheels in motion. Obviously, great head. We've seen him do it. Obviously, Liverpool as well in the derby. What a header that was! You know, Calvert Lewin's progression has been has been absolutely tremendous. Um, and and I think you know that the, the the highlights. There's there's numerous highlights I could pick out personally, but you know. I think seeing us off the pitch now, you know, as as you say, when Hammers is announced and, and going around around the world, you know, announcing it around the world, it was just just you know, 
it's different level and we've not seen that before and making a name for ourselves on the pitch and off the pitch which is which is you go hand in hand is important but probably probably a highlight which maybe others might not think about is probably how, how the club have put themselves yet again out there in in a time of need you know everything in the community absolutely spectacular over the course of the the pandemic they continue to do great work I think seeing what they do, what they uh, what they mean to the community, and what work they put in, I think that 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 sticks out to me. You know, for, I think with with the way this year has gone, and football's certainly taken a backseat. You, you could argue, you know, we, we we know obviously people's health is more important than what happens on a football pitch, but seeing the club leading the way and supporting the local community uh, with what they've done has been has been absolutely superb for me. Um, and and it makes it makes gives you it gives you a sense of pride, that's for sure. You know, uh, we're doing things now the, the right way on the pitch. We've always done them the right way off the pitch, um, and that that's great to see. So, what totally what are agree, you? Mate. What are you totally agree. I mean, I mean, as we as we want to grow globally, it's still important that we retain that identity with the club as well. For me, yeah, you know I mean, the club are you know one of if not the best in terms of doing the community work. And you know, let's let's hope they they still carry that on as as we hopefully you know grow and grow and uh, you know hopefully have a team worthy of Champions League football by the time we get to Bramley Moor. I'd also like to bring up something on the lights. I know I think another highlight of this year was Tom and Dom in New York when they went that, <laughs> that, that, that fashion parade. I think a lot of Everton Dars lost the you know lost their minds that day. And I think it was another peak moment of Twitter for the Everton Twitter for this year. It was something to behold. It was February actually. Yeah, check your dates. Check your dates because Pete's Pete's on the. On his I've, just, I've, I've, I've just checked that the, the the rig outs they were wearing was you know, Tom in his overalls and Tom in that lovely purple number was February. Uh, Pete's got some of those in his closet. Yeah, definitely, don't worry about it. He's got some high. He's got some platforms and some flares. Purple, win- purple winkle pickers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you right. No, you're right though. You're right. You know, there's definitely been some some lighter moments of, of this year as well. You know, and and that was that was certainly one of them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's and I love that. It's Sadibi, yeah. Sadibi yeah, in his We said before it will be it will be in his play. Another one, another highlight. You know, th- these are the things which make the Everton fan base what it is. I think you know. Uh, so it's yeah. they certainly are. They certainly are. But you know, it's as I say, it's important to pick out the the more lighter moments, the more enjoyable moments as well from what's been a. A difficult year. Um, well, from from our side, we, we want to thank everyone for obviously listening over the course of the last the last twelve months. Uh, thank you to all our guests, Andy, obviously yourself included. You're on yeah. on more than Lee, uh, which we always we always say um, isn't too difficult. Mind you, he hasn't been able to travel properly this year, so that's why he's probably attended a little bit more than he than he used to. Um, Skiing sure, and golf. Yeah, you know what he's like. He likes to get around, doesn't he? First world problems. First world problems. Well, I guess you've been on. You know, it's what makes the show what it is. Having different different voices uh, most weeks, which is which we we, uh, really appreciate. Thanks also to the local businesses you've got on board in in recent recent months um, at a difficult time. Fan Hub have recently got on board for putting a bit of trust on us as well. Going forward, we look forward to seeing how that partnership develops. Flatback Four. Great to have them on board as well. Don't forget to check them out and uh, get some 
some nice closing for when we can get back into the uh, the grounds. Hopefully, in the over the next the next few months once again. But that's that's the end of this this week's show. We hope everyone has a has a safe and, and happy New Year's Eve and, and New Year. Let's hope it's a it's a better one um, off the pitch for everyone. Make sure you stay healthy, look after yourselves, and we will catch you next week. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.